Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. As always, appreciate the listen. Thank you. Uh, Songwriter Connection Podcast. This is episode nine of season three, and it's been a blast so far. I hope you've been enjoying it as much as we've been uh, bringing it to you. I've got special guests today. Mark Allen Barnett is back. He was with us a couple times in season one, and we had to bring him back. He's dynamic. He's the best, and uh, he brought some friends. So, uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dave. It's yeah. great to be here again. Yeah. The living room is still magnificent. Uh, dining room, yes. <laughs> the dining room is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> all here around the dining room table, and they all brought their guitars. So, well, Thank you for having us, man. It's yeah. great, great to you. And congratulations on your third season. Third season. That's really cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Been a blast so far. I want to thank you all for downloading and spreading the word. Absolutely. Liking and subscribing where you can. Uh, it is much, much appreciated. Mark, introduce us to your friends that you brought today. Okay. I have brought what I lovingly refer to is Angelou. Angelou. Her name is Angie Jolene Trauber. She is what we call an, an, a legacy. Her father, uh, Cheryl Millette, was a uh, world-round songwriter uh, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and he uh, he was uh, one of the original guitar players with Waylon Jennings and the Wailers. And so met her a few years ago, and she she had uh, gotten married and had kid and, and all the things that everybody does, and had gotten out of music she she and her sisters had a group back in the the 90s you know i think there were 12 sisters wasn't it no there were four sisters and and uh, and they were uh, they were getting very close to a deal but you know like a lot of us get close but it doesn't happen and mm-hmm. so she kind of got away from music and then she popped back up and uh, and she's just a wonderful writer and artist and we have a and great singer. time together yeah and singer absolutely and, and then on the other side is Mark Monroe. Mark is a retired business guy from uh, from up in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. And uh, he likes uh, driving his Jaguar all over the United States. And uh, and he's a writer. He's been coming down here for for a couple of years. But I've been working with him for for uh, a year, and we just write songs and. My thing, I try to teach songwriting and try to take uh, people into the next stages without having to wait in line forever, which mm-hmm. everybody does anyway. Yeah. But he's a great study. He's been playing around this week, in, uh, and he's doing good. Mark Monroe and Angie Jolene Angie, yeah. so good to have you both. Well, Let's start you, with Dad. you. Yeah, start with you, Angie. So your dad played with the, with the Whalers, and, uh, um, and, and so you kind of were brought up in the business and around songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, what was that like, and how does that influence you today in your writing? Well, it was, um, to, well, to me, I guess it was just an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Of, um, mm-hmm. But no, uh, there was always somebody around writing, uh, you know, and Waylon and Jesse and um, Eddie Rabbit. Eddie Rabbit, really? Yeah, uh, he was always coming over there and then imitating Elvis, doing his Elvis <laughs> thing for all the kids in the neighborhood. And we just thought he was, you know, great. But um, yeah. Now, What'd you say again? What was uh, I was wondering I how that it influences your writing even today. Do you think you look back well, at those times and things that you've learned and observed? And well, yeah, a lot of things, but um, just having music around me all the time. Yeah. I, it was just melodies would always come to me when I was uh, young. My dad taught me how to play three chords, like when I was about six. Yeah, and so I just kept doing little things and writing little songs on little paper plates, and yeah, <laughs> you know, just so. Um, 
Most people have little have little birthdays, you know. They have their birthday parties, a clown, and everything. And often you can have Waylon Jennings coming over and playing your birthday party, you know. That's kind of where her life was. Really. Yeah, how about that? So, um, and you're really good friends with Jenny, uh, Jennings. Yeah, yeah, we grew up together, and uh-huh. uh, just and we still hang around. We we, we yeah. never really lost contact, and so we. She's one of my best friends. The only friend I got from childhood that's left that mm. still, you know, comes around. And, wow. and Jesse sang on your album. She sang oh, Jesse yeah, Coulter. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Jesse Coulter, Jenny's mom. Yeah. She uh, sang um, Still in Love With You. Still in Love With yeah. You. And, so, and that's out there on all platforms, your your record. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. And people should listen. And, I hope so. Yeah. But Yeah. Uh, it's on, it, yeah, it's on... Um, CD Baby, where they put it on mm-hmm. iTunes and, and Spotify yeah, and all Spotify, those, yeah. and so they'd look at it as uh, Angie uh, Trauber. Angie, how do you uh, call Angie Jolin? Angie Jolin. <laughs> yeah. Okay, look for under Angie. A Jolene. fire that can't be put out, and it's that Mark a, wrote with a, you. Yes, t- title track. Great and, song, and, and most of the songs on it are ours together and wow. thirteen shots of whiskey. Thirteen shots of whiskey. That's the new one. Well, they, yeah, that's new. That is a hit, girl. Heard you do that at the well, Commodore recently, and they had all the. All, you know, it's a hit when all the waitresses start singing that's along. That's exactly right. <laughs> Some of them jumping on the table singing along. Uh-huh. You know, you got a hit. Yeah. So. Well, I tell you what, Dave. Uh-huh. Um, if you don't want anybody. <laughs> You know, if you don't want some uh, Mark to write a song about you, don't tell him nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that know, is don't, true. Don't tell him because we've been talking about that for a couple of years. We have that thirteen shots of we was walking down the street, and then the next thing I know, there's a song. There's a song. He, See, so, it's not twelve. Don't tell 13. him nothing. Not fourteen. Fourteen's <laughs> too many. You know, I, I can testify because I went to Gatlinburg with her last. Fall and, and at 13 shots. I don't think it's an exaggeration. <laughs> it's, it's the perfect amount. <laughs> Mark Monroe, tell us about you uh, from Wisconsin and how'd you get interested in songwriting? Well, you know, I come at it from a different place. I, I never really had a musical family mm-hmm. and uh, I came at it more as a fan mm-hmm. and uh, got had a guitar early but didn't learn to do much with it. And as I had a family, I, especially when I had young children, I started writing poetry and and songs, uh, they turned into songs, and I tried to learn three chords to strum them together and so forth. Uh, but it was a dream to come to Nashville and just play. And, and uh, when I retired, it was kind of funny. I, and I told some people what I was going to do. I said, well, I'm going to get a little flat. I'm going to mm. go down there for a month and just play my guitar. Wow. And you want to see some funny looks. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking, you know? But... Uh, I came down to Nashville at some time, and uh, and I wanted to find a musical family. And it's really interesting here. I was so fortunate. I met a bunch of people like Jimmy Martin and oh, I love Jimmy. And, yeah, and Mark and Angie and uh, and Mark was. Uh, I met him at the Commodore. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first come to town, and Debbie Champion, she allowed me to audition and get up there and play. And I think it was the second time I played there that I met Mark, and Mark got up and played, and I just went, wow. You know, <laughs> and I know. I that, I he's got that way of doing that. Yeah, uh-huh. but I think that's part of being in Nashville. There's just so many great people, and they're they're open. And I never had really had much experience writing with other people. Mm-hmm. And man, it's the way it's done here, isn't it? You know, you think yeah. you know something about it until you get around some of these people, and you just go, "Wow!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. they blow you away. What you don't realize is that you know a well-crafted song may have taken weeks months years to write or an hour like today (laughs) yeah we're going to talk about that 
And then in three, three and a half minutes, they've sung it on stage and, and absolutely blown you away with it. But I mean, it's a craft. I mean, you work hard at it. And one of the great, greatest mentors in this town, and you talk about how, what a great community it is. And it's really, it, it, it's easy to fall in with a, with a great group of people, uh, or groups of people that, that you fit in with and write with. But one of the greatest mentors is the guy here uh, at the head of the table here at the Duncan Fife dining room table. Uh, and that's Mark Allen Barnett. He is quite the mentor in town. And uh, we thank you for all you do. I mean, you've really taught a lot of people, up-and-coming people, um, how to write a song, how to perform. Um, he's the man. We call him Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you will. <laughs> right, you will. Well, I've been real lucky. I, be I started at 14 years old in Birmingham. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of the... The difference in rock and country is kind of this interesting thing. And mm-hmm. rock music and pop music, and this is at the, the end of the 70s and the 80s, and, and it was basically written, most of that type of music is written music first. You just mm-hmm. start jamming and somebody right. comes a great, and, and you just, the singer would get up and do some da-da words, <laughs> and, you know, they don't mean anything. And then, of course, later on, you'd write down lyrics that, didn't mean anything, you know, and, and it's just kind of that was rock. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a 12-year rock career in, in Alabama. The band that I was with, 24 Karat, did pretty well. We won a national battle of the bands, and and, and then oh, we cool. did what all bands do, broke up. Right after the photos. That's exactly right after the photos taken, the band breaks up. Yeah. And I had to kind of change, and I, I met a guy named Ron Muir, and he basically taught me about Nashville where the lyric is the key in this town and you really got to have it. Music gets them there, but the lyrics keep them there. Oh, that's so true. And, and, and then over the years, I, I've been lucky enough to write with over a hundred writers that had top tens, top twenties, number ones, mm-hmm. uh, our friend Jimbo Henson, you know, and, yeah, and those people would him. bring me along. Yeah. And so everything that it took me literally 42 years to kind of assemble, uh, I'm able to pass that on now. And I have this, kind of rain man kind of thing i can't figure out where it is i'm a really good driver you know i can't <laughs> is. but i can't figure out what it is but usually That's if you can suits. if yeah. you can hone in on on the heart and soul you get a great idea we came up with that one today and and, yeah. and you, you get that little nugget of an idea and if somebody can kind of describe what type of song they're looking for because that's a really thing getting it into your mind mm-hmm. what is that little style of song right and uh today so well, many of country artists are into southern rock, blues, and kind of kind of the '80s rock sound right. is exactly where country is now. Well, that's where I've been all along, so yeah. that's why it kind of comes it's your time. natural. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to call this uh, this episode uh, "Under the Hood" because what we did this morning, uh, we're recording this um, in uh, March. March 11th is today, and, and of course, it publishes here in uh, May 18th. I work ahead. And we had a writer's appointment in the morning at, at 10 o'clock and all four of us together co-writing a song. And um, and I wanted to get under the hood and tell you how this song that we ended up writing in about an hour and a half's time, I wanted to get under the hood and, and, and show you the nuts and bolts and, and, and how it was done. And I thought it would be a really good lesson today. And then after we talk about how it was done um, and how you write a song, I thought we'd play it uh, so you can hear that. And if we've got some time... We'll talk about the old-fashioned Nashville guitar pull. We'll tell you what that's all about, and maybe we'll we'll do a little uh, around the table uh, share a song. So uh, that's what I want to do, Mark. And sounds great. Uh, yeah. Cool. So um, why don't you start with 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 how our whole session today? Come over at ten o'clock. We had coffee and we just talked and caught up. 
and we start throwing ideas, and this is how it's done. You know, back in Cincinnati, uh, the guys I used to write with, we'd call it breakfast and a hook. That's we'd, right. we'd go to have breakfast, and everybody throw out the Love song it. ideas, mm-hmm. and we decide which one we were going to write, yep. and go back and write it that day. And yeah. it was kind of almost the same thing. This same, thing. Yeah. same thing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, you threw a good one out today. Dave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Dave. Dave hit the hit the nail on the head. It's like Dave's out there slamming triples and home runs all of a sudden. But uh, something about a girl singing Merle, uh-huh. and uh, you guys started talking about that, and I, I it just immediately clicked. Uh, one thing about Merle Haggard is we were all big fans of Merle. He he could make people feel good. Even in the most depressing situations, yeah, you know, sure could. Yeah. And it, it just—I I think. Uh I think probably Angie said something about uh, mama and and because that's what we always talk about. So first verse kind of in my mind uh, starts from the first line. Mama sang every morning right at breakfast time. Mm -hmm. And that's literally Patty. Your wife is in the kitchen Kitchen, at the time. And and, and all of this, Jimbo Henson taught me a lot about just use your senses, you know, what you see, what you taste, what you smell, what you hear, all of these things and Mm -hmm. bring it into the story. And if I'm thinking about that title that hook was just like there and you guys each of you talked saying something Mm -hmm. and i i i like i love to do songs that have references to artists or or songs in them but i don't want to cop those so i like to do little things so the first line was mama saying every morning right at breakfast time that set your son uh top of her lungs and out of tune lord did mama try you You know there's your mama tried reference and there was something about his songs that always made her smile i'm just thinking about the the mothers who always think they think they're great singers and they're really not (laughs) (laughs) but they sing loud and then reminded her of growing up was the soundtrack of her life and i and just if if we're thinking about women growing up and listening to Merle Haggard because uh, you don't think as much about women singing mm-hmm. and thinking about Merle Haggard. Yeah, that's what's really yeah, into it's that It's what idea. is a little interesting twist. It's mm-hmm. always, again, Jimbo, find the twist in the song, <laughs> oh, you know? And and so that was it. And that would get us to the chorus, something about a girl singing Merle, paints a picture of a man, because he painted pictures, with the emptiest arms in the world. And one of his songs with emptiest arms in the world. It, sometimes it takes an oaky, instead of doing oaky from Muskoki, times it takes an oaky, to provide the perfect words or something about a girl singing Merle. Now, I want to, I want to pause right here. And, and Angie, you, you, you know where I'm coming. Um, we were discussing how to write this song, Angie and, and Mark Monroe and I. And Mark was being silent. He wasn't adding a whole lot. I thought he was trying to, you know, teach us. It was a teaching moment, you know, for Mark. Uh, what, what are these guys going to come up with, right? And we're throwing out ideas of how to approach it, making a list of Merle Haggard songs and things like that. And um, all of a sudden, Mark goes, oh, how about this? And he had the first verse and chorus <laughs> Just down yeah. and he starts and just picks up a guitar and yeah. boom just, just and we're like doing it and I still got chills now yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. I've like, seen him do that so <clears throat> uh, well when we yeah. wrote um, um, what, what the shadows shadows mm-hmm. uh, Mark says something about shadows and we, so we were sitting there doing that same thing and the next thing I knew and then I had to go get my sunglasses because the next thing I knew he just picks the guitar up. <laughs> And sings the whole song, <laughs> and it's a long song. This yeah. one, th- this one was, and it, and it was so touching and so amazing uh, at that point that he could do that too. Not just the song, but the way he did. Barnett can do that stuff. Yes, so I had to go get my sunglasses. So he sings that for us, and we're all looking at each other. And I'm like, Yeah, come on, you wrote that months ago, right? <laughs> no, no, <I'm> just like. <laughs> 
that's what you said. You had that written. You had that written. You know, as, as, a newbie, no, no. as a newbie, you know, like coming to Nashville and learning yeah. how to do this, mm-hmm. something uh, Mark was demonstrating it today that was a little bit hard when I first came here, but I'm totally getting it now is listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like when you listen to the songwriters, really listening to the songs. But in here, there's four people talking, and if you really get completely wrapped up and just trying to spit out some words you know the words won't come to you you know so the listening part of it is just huge i am a mini director i direct these little videos in my head and <laughs> it it's got to have these visual lines i want people to to know what's going on in every second of every line. And that's the other thing that hit writers do. Mm-hmm. If you notice hit writers, and I've, I've written with Karen Staley and I've written with Jimbo and I've written with one, you watch the way they assemble something. There's not a wasted word. No. Or line. Or line. Yeah. Every single thing just hooks in and has a visual on everything. And you go, I'm right in this, I'm right in this scene. And they all point to that idea that that's you're right. writing. Every line, every word. And it's, uh, it's quite a challenge. And I'll also tell you this, Martin Monroe, they don't always come out the way they do today. <laughs> you know, sometimes you labor yeah. for hours and yeah. days and yeah. months and years and you stick with it because it's a good idea. Yeah. And sometimes you don't stick with it. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got like, um, you know, a verse and a chorus and you never get back to it. Hopefully you do someday. You're looking at it. But when well, uh, you go back, I find that, yeah. you know, four weeks, five weeks later, you go back and it sounds different to you. And yeah. You think differently about it and suddenly, sometimes it completely changes. You just go, yeah, I, that, that was right. the first step and by the time I got to the third step, oh, this song is completely different. And mm-hmm. It's just sort of a creative thing that happens. It doesn't always happen, but I was uh, in a write just yesterday with two wonderful writers and we just hit this wall. Mm-hmm. We just hit this wall and we worked, we were trying to get two lines and we worked on it for, I would say, an hour and a half, about as long as it took to write this one. Mm-hmm. And um, and finally, we just said the best thing to do, this is a good idea, let's walk away from Step it for away a while. From That's exactly right. And we yeah. all looked in our books and, and came up with another date. And sometimes you have to. Well, that's but, something I could speak to because I was a businessman for many years. And mm-hmm. uh, most of my solutions, I, I would sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd wake up in the middle of the night or the next morning and everything would be clear again. And I'd go, you know, this solution would appear. And I think sometimes... Lyrics are like that, you know. Yeah. You know, Mark, you, you do, you, you do come out with some things. So, because actually, do. I think it was Mark that had the the, the mother, the mama thing. The mama there. line, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go ahead and blame me. I was the baby thing, but <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna get a baby in there. And, uh, so it, was, it, yeah, yeah. You don't ever can't tell. Yeah, you know, here we are from all different walks of life and mm-hmm. looking at an idea and coming up with this concept. So. Mark, what did you do in your uh, before you retired? I'm just well, curious. I, I spent a life in the food business. Food? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I did a lot of things in it, but I was a CEO of a food cooperative in Wisconsin for nice. the last 20 years. Had a wonderful career, a beautiful company, great purpose, mm-hmm. and uh, and music was always there in the background for me. And, mm-hmm. and raised a family, did all these wonderful things, uh, but I find that. A lot of the songwriting we do is, is so based in experience. Yeah. So being an older guy coming to this, That's it, right. it's kind of interesting because when you want to write about something, there's there's some experience that you can apply. And that's so you know? important. That's right. They say write what you know. What you that's exactly do. right. If you can't live it, yeah. you can't write it. Where did I hear that recently? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. You know. You, All those things are true. You know? it, it's an interesting thing, particularly when we're writing, anybody's trying to do this for the industry-wise, we're trying to write with younger artists. Mm-hmm. And younger artists so often have no concept because they're in their 20s, 
20s or, you know, I mean, younger, 15, 16, Mm -hmm. and they have no real life experiences. So you kind of have to put yourself, where was I at that age? It's almost like the the Paisley song, if I could write a letter to me, you know, how would I approach this? What would I tell myself on that? And, and And usually if you'll just listen to people talk. If you just listen to what they say, they'll generally naturally say something, which is actually the line. They're not thinking of it in line. They're just tossing it out there. And when you said the girl sing, you know, uh, singing Merle, I'm just thinking, I just saw somebody uh, two, two, three days ago, and it was a girl that was playing Merle Haggard. And I, and I thought at that time, I was thinking, that's interesting because you don't yeah. see girls singing Merle that much, but I guess you do. Yeah. I have missed that. Mm-hmm. So when you said that, I'm going, yeah, yeah I remember. Well, same thing. That. I saw yeah. a, an artist singing yeah. the role, and, and I thought, she, and she, I yeah. she's killing it. You know, um, but, but you then, you, know it, it's fun, funny sometimes you'll get an idea, and um, uh, the universe has a way of saying, stick with it. And, and yeah. it, let, me, let me tell you how it happened for me. That happened months ago. I saw this girl singing the Merle song. I thought, I'm not a girl, I'm singing Merle. And I wrote it in my hook book, right? Mm-hmm. So this week, I'm, doing, I'm researching my radio show, and I come across two stories. One, the Opry doing their tribute to Merle yeah. Haggard uh, coming up. And the other thing was that Layla Tucker was Tanya Tucker's daughter is now doing That's music right. and her first release is a Merle Haggard song and I go oh it's a girl singing Merle and I said on the radio <laughs> show I said someday that. I'm going to write that song something about a girl singing Merle and she sings Misery and Gin now so mm, um, so I thought I'd throw it out now I want to go back to where we were we're writing this yeah. song um it took about an hour and a half, which is it, it's so rare. And I don't want you to get the idea if you're if you're if you're just starting as a songwriter and you're exploring this maybe as a career, it doesn't always happen this way. And I know I hear people go, yeah, "God gave me this song, and I wrote it in five minutes." Well, okay, <laughs> but think about this: is it perfect? Because God is, right? Right? right. <laughs> Did you write? I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. So, um, so getting back to the craft, we had this first verse and. And a great chorus that Mark put together while we were talking. Now we're in second verse hell, as we like to say. Where are we going from from here? And we had to talk about it a little while. So who wants to pick up from there? <laughs> uh, I think there was a natural progression. Mm-hmm. It isn't always natural, but we found a natural progression going from Mama to a young woman singing Merle. Mm-hmm. That uh, in the in the Merle Haggard song ideas, obviously December. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was huge. It was late in December, I was feeling low. Had stopped in 2A. Tavern. Tavern. I just was, we were talking, I'm thinking about, yeah. thinking about bars. And, exactly. And he just go, I don't know if it should be a bar. And I'm going to be a bar. No, it's a tavern. There's got to be a tavern. Merle's always Merle's in always in a tavern. Uh, and again, you always got to get back. You got to think of what your most important things are. A girl singing about Merle. You got to keep, you got to keep that. that anchored in. Something, right. a, a mistake I see a lot of writers do. They get, they they write too much. They say too much itis. And mm-hmm. they get so far away itis. from the central idea that you can't follow where they are. Yeah. So we got to pull it back as we stopped. in. Uh, it was late in December. I was feeling low. Had stepped in. Uh, it's actually stepped into a tavern where it should be stepped. to get out of the snow. Mm-hmm. Singer on the stage, just an old flat top guitar or could be with an old flat top guitar. She was singing me back home just like my mama's heart. And in that, he's got, uh, he had, uh, if we can make it through December, you know, you're always mm-hmm. talking about taverns. So it's not really taking any one mama, you know, we had the mama tried thing. Right. So you don't get stuck on that, but you do little pieces of it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I got to the second verse. Wow. 
And then we go back to the chorus. Now, in typical Nashville sta- <laughs> standard uh, songwriting, uh, we got verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then usually it's bridge chorus. So that's a really cool pattern, um, and it's done a lot today, I know, but it's still the Nashville standard. It's, it's not just the Nashville standard. It's actually about 80% of, of worldwide pop songs have written in that in that format. The Beatles use it all the time. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's the most popular. And the other one is A-A-B-A. Uh, right. A A B A would right. be like two verses and verse uh, verse yeah then chorus. it's kind yeah. of a chorus but not really but it always yeah. usually comes back like yesterday yeah uh, for the Beatles is one the example I always use mm-hmm. but this this Nashville standard as I'm calling it the mm-hmm. uh, verse chorus verse bridge chorus and if you've got a good strong chorus you definitely want to have it in there three times that's right absolutely. Yeah. By the third time, that audience knows it and they're singing along. Hopefully, that's that's the idea. Which is actually the point. The audience, the, the what you do, a song should be described like it's your turn to present your information. Then your audience's turn to sing along, mm-hmm. and you want it to be singable, singable, hummable, memorable. Right. And if they and they want to get back to the chorus. Mm-hmm. If you notice the really good songs, the first one you hear it, you kind of catch up a word. You're kind of humming the melody. Second time you kind of may sing along a word. Last one you are almost got the whole chorus and you're singing along. That's what you want. That's it. There's the goal right there. And the big sing-along chorus. Yes, absolutely. It's it's got to be different from that verse. So many uh, young songwriters that I watch, I can't tell where the chorus started and the verse ended. Yeah. 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 And it is so important. It's it's got to soar. It's got to be separate from, you know. Well, one of the the weird things about about popular music now is they're kind of running everything together because yeah. it's such a production world, particularly with rock and pop. You do things in production. Mm-hmm. Country has gotten into that. Uh, but what you can do is you can either, you can elevate the melody. That you can use the same chord structure, but you got to elevate the melody. And far too many uh, songs don't have that. Mm-hmm. And you have a correspondence with, with uh, you know, the songs today, everything kind of sounding the same. Everybody puts country, oh, we, it all sounds the same. Well, have you listened to a rap song lately? Yeah. I mean, they all or kind of sound song. the same yeah. because there's billions of songs now. So you yeah. have to do the little things. This is what I try to pass along. Is the, it's the little things, mm-hmm. the little elevate the, the, the melody. I always will, on the first line of the chorus, I'm always going to do a different chord. It's mm-hmm. just something because it helps in the memory, uh, in the mind. It, oh, there's something different. And so I do section those things out and uh, and always get back to the hook line at the end of your course because that's the last thing people are going to hear exactly. as the song is. And that's how they'll remember. And I've heard so many people throw that hook out early in the verse. I'm like, yeah. wow, save it, man. Pull it out like exactly. a rug out from under you. Like That's what makes a good joke, right? Yeah, exactly. The right? punchline. Yeah. Punch set up punchline. Yeah. Set it up and then deliver it and then it's got power there's the secret i I really think so here we are we've got now we've got a verse a chorus and a second verse Mm -hmm. we're to this bridge part Mm -hmm. and um and again we're throwing ideas where do we go from here now i I, I right away mark yeah you got your mother started out and then you got you know the girl so the next thing would have to happen is singing to a baby that's right but Mm -hmm. i was trying to (laughs) <laughs> and Mark simplifies it all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in two lines. Uh, well, well, we were talking about know. the passage of time. The passage of time. Yeah. He, he's thinking about his mama. The second is a girl singing, and and she's singing. And it takes him back to mama. He marries the girl, and they, they have a kid they together. Have a they have kid. a daughter. That's, y- yeah. yeah. 
So what? And again, it's not bridge. We should probably talk a little bit about bridge mm-hmm. concepts today yes. and exactly yeah. what it is, Mark. Maybe mm-hmm. you can uh, fill us in. The best I ever heard was the bridge is either the moral of the story or the lawyer's final summation. <laughs> Ladies and yes. gentlemen of the jury, what yes. we've seen, my client here yeah. is you know, and it Perfect. kind of wraps up. It brings it all back around, mm-hmm. and it does it. And then that's it's called a bridge because it bridges you from one chorus to another chorus. That's gotcha. The point of it, nice. and uh, and so I just thought, yeah, we started out with Mama, we get the girl in the middle, and then we go to the baby and the thing. Just okay, now sense. melodically with a bridge, mm-hmm. though. Um, yeah, how about that? Okay, it's a uh, different melody. Yeah, right? I try to you try to use a chord on that the top. It, it really is the top of each thing: top of the verse, top of the chorus, top of the bridge. That chord needs to change mm-hmm. because the the human ear just hears something different. It doesn't really know what, but it's Oh, that's different, and that tension it grabs your attention. Too. That's exactly right. right. And 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 one of the things we have now, <laughs> most people have the attention span of a goldfish. You know, they got eight <laughs> eight to thirty seconds to right. to, to get them. So yeah. if you section goes, out the song, if you section out the song, your verse is right about thirty seconds. Your your chorus should be about thirty seconds. Next verse, and you, that's where your three minute song. Mm-hmm. Do you know one of the reasons that three minutes is is the target? It's got okay. to do with radio, right? In, well, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. In the 16 and 1700s, oh. about three minutes in dance songs was about the amount of time they had the energy to put physical <laughs> exercise. <laughs> so you'd have about a three-minute, that's the three-minute minuet and all those little oh. dancing things because people were out of shape. <laughs> and and they would dance about three Madeira. minutes and then go go drink. <laughs> and we just had this three minute. That is kind of where where we have it. You worked in radio, and radio mm-hmm. has this two minute wall thing. If you're not through most of the song by two minutes, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. And so you know, I'm and I have a little clock. This this timed out to I don't know what it was about three. A little it was like two forty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The less is more, man. The more you can get in. Quick story about that. Yeah. I remember the uh, program director coming into my office. I, I was doing afternoon drive in Cincinnati, and he brought in this new song by Rascal Flatts. Uh-huh. And he goes, "I want you to listen to this because I want you to play this on your show today yeah. and tell me what you honestly think." And I listened to the song, and it went on. It was slow, mm-hmm. and I thought it dragged. And it went on for four minutes and 20 seconds. Right. And I said, Jay, that's never going to be a hit. There's right. n- there's just, I'll play it if you want. And boy, I was wrong. <laughs> the song was moving I'm on moving by on. Rask yeah. of Flats. I'm yeah. moving on. Um, but when I the first hear the first hearing it, I it dragged. It you and so every long. DJ in the country did yeah. that same thing. We probably did. Yeah, Jerry House got uh, Jerry House played that. He was the DJ here, top mm-hmm. DJ in the United States. Yeah, and he played it, and something happened on that song they did not anticipate. Both both the writers, Philip White and D. Vincent Williams, are friends of mine, mm-hmm. and they told me the story of the song. It something happened that they never looked for. Mm-hmm. Jerry played it in, in one morning, and he started getting calls. Uh, for from alcoholics, uh. Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotic Anonymous, and they started getting just call after call after call. Oh my God, that's that's me. That's my. I'm moving on, and I'm that was on. it. Was yeah. it? And and so Jerry called a bunch of his. He called ten of his friends who were major DJs across the country because they all at first had that same thing. Well, this is too long. This is never going to work. Rascal Flats felt it was too long. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of the sign. And, and when Stephen and Philip wrote it, they thought this really goes on a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, they, and and so they the uh, Jerry said, "Play this song a 
couple of times and, and see what happens. Everywhere, the reaction was exactly the same. Yeah. It was like a therapy song. And that is why it became. I did huge. play it that afternoon, and we did get lots of calls. People yeah. wanted to hear it. That's and right. the next thing I know. You know, and the other thing for DJs, we're always concerned about time. You've yeah. got to fit five commercials in here, yeah. and you're like, I'm playing a four minute and 20 second song. I'm going to be late into the right. Break. Exactly. I got a time exactly. with the traffic guy and right. the weather guy. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. but. That's why I couldn't do radio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you get a little stressed. Some out. things just escape. <laughs> Some things just, it's just all of the yeah. th- the stars align, you know, okay. and that's. that's I'm going to tell you what, I'm, I've got to take a little break. Yep. And when we come back, we're going to hear. We've been under the hood. We showed you how we put it together or how Mark put it together. (laughs) Oh, no, we all did it. Don't don't uh, say that. Mark is going to play it and sing it for us, okay? Uh, As we go under the hood on the Songwriter Connection podcast, we thank you so much for listening. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. I hope you're enjoying it. I mean, we really get under the hood and find out how songs are written today. And um, been very educational uh, for me and hopefully for you, too. Our guests are Mark Allen Barnett, uh, the lovely Angie, Angelou, uh, Angelou, and uh, Mark uh, Monroe as well. So this is the song. Just to recap, we had an idea. The idea was something about a girl uh, singing Merle. We decided uh, the way we wanted to approach it. Uh, We kind of mapped it out in our heads as we went. Uh, and uh, so this is the final project product, uh, Mark Allen Barnett. Mama sang every morning, right at breakfast time. Top of her lungs and out of tune, Lord, did Mama try. There was something about his songs that always made her smile, reminded her of growing up. Was a soundtrack of her life Something about a girl singing Merle Paints a picture of a man With the emptiest arms in the world Sometimes it takes an okay To provide the perfect words There's something about a girl singing Merle It was late in December, I was feeling low Except into a tavern to get out of the snow Singer on the stage with just an old flat-top guitar She was singing me back home 
Like my mama's heart There's something about a girl Singing Merle Paints a picture of a man With the emptiest arms in the world Sometimes it takes an okay To provide perfect words There's something about a girl Singing Merle Well, years flow like a river I made that singer mine She'll sing our little carolin To sleep every single night Was there something mad a girl Singing Merle Paints a picture of a man With the emptiest arms in the world Sometimes it takes an okay To provide the perfect words there's something about a girl saying Merle. Yeah, there's something about a girl saying Merle. Not bad for just having written this song just a little bit ago. Mark <laughs> Allen Barnett. A little trick there. There's the final product right there. Now, we're not saying that's the next big hit, but we just wanted to show you how... Uh, Nashville writers go about uh, approaching a song. And um, we don't want it to be discouraging. We want you to keep writing. I mean, write, write, write your hearts out. And and, uh, But if you take some of this stuff, you learn a little something, uh, we think that maybe uh, you'll be a little bit better writer for it. So That's the idea. Mark, we certainly appreciate that. Now, a couple of things that come to mind as I'm listening to that song. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that when you're you're talking about melodies and the way the song is um, is presented. Um, there was another allusion to Merle in that song melodically, mm-hmm. uh, and and again, everything pointing to the hook. You hear that lick? Do it again. Does that sound familiar? Yes. If you're into Merle Haggard, you know that lick, and Mark threw it in there. It's instinctively it's, when you you listen to these people all these years. It's just instinctive things. There's little trademarks they do. Mm-hmm. You know, Waylon had them. Willie Willie always has it. Yeah, yeah, he always does. Yeah, with trigger. It would trigger. trigger. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Merle had that little. That's in the key of D, and he had that little drop down to a C that he put in a bunch of songs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So there's that part of the of the podcast today. The second part I wanted to talk about, and I hope you do this, even if you you know, like when I lived in Cincinnati, we would get together and do this all the time. We'd have an old-fashioned guitar pull on a Friday or Saturday night. I think it beats going to a movie. I think it beats sitting around watching TV. You have friends over, and you pass a guitar around. Mark, tell us about the concept of the guitar pull. Do you know what? And and I've been here for almost nine years. I haven't been to a single guitar pull yet. And Cincinnati was a weekly thing. I know. know. What's a guitar pull? Okay, a guitar pull is where you get, I mean, it can be small. Some of them get huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Incidentally, you know why they call it a guitar pull? Uh, Yeah, it's an interesting story. You. you literally have to pull the guitar out of somebody else's hand if you want to play play yours. Yeah, yeah. It, it was started. It really back in the uh, in the 
late 50s, early 60s, people like Willie mm-hmm. and Waylon, your dad, I'm sure, Har- went to a whole bunch of them. Harlan Howard. They Harlan Howard. 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 They would go to Harlan Howard's guitar pulls all the time. Really? Yeah. They would. It, it, there was a, a Tootsie Bess on Tootsies. She was kind of the patron saint of the uh, She She ran this bar downtown. Right, but the hat and pin. It, 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 we got out of line her hat pin. She'd stick that's, that's exactly right. Right, right. And she was. She just was the mother of all these guys. And mm-hmm. they would show Roger Miller uh, would show yeah, up after kind of after hours and she would cook food for them and they'd sit in the back and they'd sit in a little circle and they'd all trade uh songs and they would they would uh contribute lines to each other's songs wow and and so the the nashville guitar pool got started when you just get a group of people sitting in there playing just with an acoustic guitar and a vocal and when you juxtaposition that forward that's kind of where the bluebird came from the bluebird came into uh into being because a woman named uh amy curlin wanted that feel in a very small place that's why she always kept it very very small and and it's just so people can kind of sit and get very very close and if you go to the bluebird you're sitting literally in the lap of somebody else and that's kind of the cool thing yeah yeah so that's where it comes from. got to play there in december for my first round i played a song here in there oh that's right i remember and i got to play a full round and um just absolutely uh magical i can't explain that experience to you it's the most mark you're an pro. you've been there many times i'm i'm playing next uh next friday with scott Mm -hmm. southworth and and jeff hudson and and it is it is unlike any place else that you'll ever go. It was the first place I went to when I came to visit Nashville from mm-hmm. Birmingham. I went in and I saw Don Schlitz, Paul Overstreet, <laughs> uh, Craig Bickhart, and uh, and Jelly Roll Johnson. And I was like, Legend. this is the deal. That's Sound why right. I moved here. Legend. Yeah, that's yeah. really why I moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Because these guys were doing things. I, I'm Here I come in from the big band, guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, big, huge thing. Right. And I see these guys with just acoustic guitars, and you list, you hang on every single word. Yeah, you do. And it just it just revolutionizes it right, When you come to Nashville, if you're not from here, we do. But you got to get tickets in advance at the yeah. Bluebird because yeah. they sell up real quick. And if you can't get in there, the listening room is another great place. People come to listen sure. to the music. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, listen, here's my idea. I wanted to do a little guitar pool. Mm-hmm. And if since I think this kind of segues right into what you were just saying. Right. I want to start with you, Mark, okay. because you have a very unique story you have to audition to play the bluebird you know and so mark has a great audition story and i thought maybe we'd start the guitar guitar pull with you sharing that story mark and then we'll pass the guitar and we'll see see what we can do (laughs) i had i had met a guy before i even started thinking about coming to nashville i met this guy named ron muir Mm-hmm. And he played this song one night in a in a uh, a, a setting. It was a songwriter meeting, and I never really thought about this. It was mm-hmm. just an accident that I ended up there. And he plays this song, and everything in the song had literally happened to me. <laughs> this I I played with our band, and and I kept getting from our road manager. We were in a big band. We were kind of like a journey kind of deal, uh-huh. and I get this. I get this note says your your flies open, you know, and I, and I thought it was request. We're playing a college, and I thought it was a request from these people. And I was a weird David Allen Co song or something. I kept saying I don't know that, I don't, and he kept saying your fly all these notes. And finally, he goes, he goes, your pants, your pants. And I looked down, and my zipper was up. I had white pants on and white underwear. And I looked oh, down, gosh. and I was standing just. Naked to the world. And I, I spun around. So years later, I meet this guy, Ron Muir, and he has this song. And I'm going, 
everything in this happened. There was a couple of different things, you know, mm-hmm. in it. And I said, well, this is what happened to me. So we added those in, and he gave me co-writing credit. So I get up to the Bluebird, and, and this is the basic Bluebird audition. At that time, this is 1988. It was uh, February of 1988. And, and I get there, and you're standing in a parking lot. It's raining. <laughs> It's just nasty. And you get there, and there's about 85 yeah. people. <laughs> and at that time, everybody got to do one song. Now you get a verse and a chorus. You get a verse and a chorus. And so, so yeah. every song, I swear, every song sounded like this. There were all these, all these guys and girls get up. I'm going to die and take you with me. <laughs> and that's every single one. And I'm going, how That's a little faster than most. That was faster. Yeah, yeah. I was just for brevity time. <laughs> so I do this song that that, uh, that that Ron had done, and we had worked on things. He really was my first big mentor. And at that time, you auditioned for Amy, who was the owner of the club. And she gets up at the beginning. I mean, she gave this speech at the beginning. Just going to tell you. Most of you won't play here, you yeah. know. Most of we we have very high standards, and most people don't fit it. And it takes an average of about a year if you pass the audition, about a year before you'll be on a show on a Sunday night, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, well, I, this one sucks. And <laughs> before I got back home, she had called me up and said, I "Want you to come back in three weeks and play play the club?" That is amazing. And don't happen, does it? That's right. Don't happen. So this is the song that I did. It's called The Grand Openings, my romantic love wedding song. (laughs) Was my first night for playing in a bar room. Hoped I'd do the songs they'd love to hear. But before I started picking, went into that room where little boys go when they've been drinking beer. (laughs) Then I came back out and stepped into the spotlight. Picked up my guitar and tried to sing. When I looked at all the people, they were staring back at me. None of them was saying anything. Well, the first tune that I did was Fast and Lively. But no one moved except the man at table three. Saw him writing down some words upon his napkin. Waitress giggled as she handed it to me. It said, do you know your fly is standing open? Do you know your zipper is undone? <laughs> you might have guessed those were my first two requests. <laughs> Hell, I'd never even heard of either one. So I read them to the crowd. They applauded long and loud. I broke out in a sweat of desperation. And I don't know why how, but I got up to take a bow. And they gave me my first standing ovation. I said, thank you very much, friends and neighbors. I wish my mother was here tonight to see this. Then I sat back down and tried to play some music. But the waitress brought another note to me. Though her face was turning red, she just snickered and said, it's from that man at table number three. I said, well, let's open it up and see. It said, don't you know your horse ain't in the stable? Don't you know your barn door ain't been closed? I couldn't help but wonder where he'd heard these crazy songs. Some old drunk cowboy, I suppose. (laughs) Then I glanced down at the bottom of his napkin. And I started feeling better right away. Because after all those songs of horses, flies, and stables, it was one that finally I could play. Said this man must be a fan of the Beatles. 
And this song is a line I'd like to do And they went into a rage And stood upon the stage Singing P.S. I love you You, you, you Yeah! Mark Allen Barnett, Songwriter Connection, into the uh, guitar pull part of our podcast today. This is kind of neat. So we usually go in a circle, and so Mark, uh, how about Mark Monroe? Yeah. Song, huh? okay. Tell us the story behind the song, too, Mark. A little, okay, yeah. Always got to do that when we're uh, on this podcast right here, so that's, well, that's the rule. Yeah, this is uh, something we did in Nashville here. I did it with Mark, uh-huh. and... Uh, I would say the guitar pull thing. I did want to comment on that. that did you? It's a very intimate thing. It is. And it's very enjoyable because you can do it with a small group of people. And, and with songwriters, you get to hear other people and they can tell the stories. It's just so easy to do. Yeah. And I haven't had that special experience, but I did go down to the Frank Brown event with Mark down in I've got the floor of Bama. I've got to. And we played the main room there. Did you really? Wow. And that was kind of the same kind of reverence. It's very interesting. People are very quiet in there. They got their cocktails, but they just, they're there to hear you. Oh, that's a great festival. So uh, Mark and I wrote this song. Uh, I'll reference Jim Jimbo here because uh, the original line of uh, Extraordinary Ordinaries was his. He had said that, you know, good, good songwriters make ordinary things sound extraordinary. Wow. And... Uh, and Mark and I talked about that, and I said, that, that's really the makings of a song, everyday things. I was thinking we should probably dedicate this show to Jimbo. Yeah, yeah. Jimbo Henson, who we just lost uh, this past weekend, and one of the great writers and mentors in this town. So. Well, we borrowed his words a little bit, mm-hmm. for sure. It's a mother's touch, her soothing voice. Pat on the back from dad, hanging with your boys. Skipping rocks across the lake, riding bikes after dark. All these little things. Make us who we are It's a walk in the woods With your favorite dog Friday night football Winter basketball When your childhood friend Changes to the cutest girl in town Moments we won't notice Well, they're not around their life's ordinary, extraordinaries. Memories with an air of familiarity. It's what we feel, the things we hear, everything we see is all life's ordinary. Extraordinaries. Very nice. Same drive every mile to the job. Morning coffee and a brown bag lunch. It's a daily slog. Fresh cut grass, 
kicking back with an evening beer Routines that you won't miss Till they disappear Their life's ordinary extraordinaries Memories with an air of familiarity Things we feel and all we hear Everything we see Is all life's ordinary extraordinaries Taking kids and friends out on a Friday night Then they're off to college On with their own lives It's all these little things in life It seems we don't have a choice Hell, it all comes right back To a mother's voice mm. And life's ordinary extraordinaries Memories with an air of familiarity Things we feel and all we hear Everything we see It's all life's ordinary extraordinaries Let's cherish those ordinary extraordinaries Very cool Thank you, Mark Monroe. <laughs> I certainly appreciate you being on our show today. Well, thank you very much. It's been a real incredible pleasure and an honor to be uh, here. Thank you. Man, my pleasure. And you got to let us know when you're coming back so I can get you scheduled into the 12 Keys for everybody. Oh, man. Round, you know, for sure. Is next week too soon? <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of went with the old saw, uh, Age Before Beauty on this guitar pool. Um, Seems we had to work that way. Mark Allen Barnett and Mark Monroe, now the lovely Angelo. And Jolyn, right? Is that Angie Jolyn is your artist name, right? Angie Jolyn. Can I make a request though? Um, we because we talked about uh, you having this hit with uh, uh, well, I think it's a hit, uh, thirteen uh, uh, shots of whiskey, and you guys did it on the uh, Commodore stage uh-huh. uh, just last week. Could we talk you out of that one? Since we already talked about it on the podcast. Oh yeah, sure. is that all right? We sing that one for us. Right. Well, it is a true story, I think. Is you want to tell your story? Tell the story behind it, though. Well, we was at the Gatlinburg Songwriters Festival, and mm-hmm. me and my husband and with a bunch of people were walking down the street, and uh, we we seen the sign, mm-hmm. you know, out of the blue. 13, I mean, uh, it might have been 12, but it kind of changed a little bit, but 13 shots of whiskey for five bucks. For five bucks? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what kind not, of whiskey is that? I want to know. They weren't the top shelf. Yeah. You know. <laughs> But you're not going to pass that up for five bucks. So. <laughs> but I told Guess him about not. it, and that's why I said, "Don't tell him about it." Write a song about it. So the the parts have been changed to protect the guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Walking down the street in Gallenberg, trying to figure out why he left me for her. Signs stopped me in my tracks, could not believe my luck. 
said, come taste all our bourbons. 13 shots for five bucks. I had 13 shots of whiskey. My lucky number. Best way to handle a jilted lover. 14 is too many. A dozen ain't enough. 13 shots of whiskey. That's how you handle lost love. Yeah. Started with a couple with a mellow aftertaste by the fifth jukebox play. He stopped loving her today. Yeah. Number nine had me dancing. Now the band was playing. Crowd cheered me on while I was dancing on the tables. I had 13 shots of whiskey. My lucky number. Best way to handle a jilted lover. 14 is too many. A dozen ain't enough. Thirteen shots of whiskey That's how you handle lost love The story ends fine Grabbed a ride from Uber Forgot oh, what's his name Cause my driver was cuter I had thirteen shots of whiskey My lucky number Best way to handle A jilted lover Fourteen is too many A dozen ain't enough Thirteen shots of whiskey That's how you handle lost love Thirteen shots of whiskey Ooh, yeah Thirteen shots of whiskey Angie Jolene Mark Monroe. That's Thank our show so for much, this Dave. week. Thank Wasn't you for having this us. Oh, this is lovely. I totally enjoyed having you. We have to do it again. Yes. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Dave. Thank you, Mark and Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.